Let's go ahead and open. Let's go ahead and open with prayer. Another prayer. We need lots of prayer. More prayer, not less prayer. So let's pray. Uh, Jesus, God, we do thank you for the ability to come together with our brothers and our sisters, our loved ones uh, in Christ. God, through our through our pain and through our suffering, God, still be able to worship and praise you because God we know that outside of where we're at in this moment that you are still there you're still real you still love you still deserve praise even when we don't feel like praising God I pray that your spirit will move and do what only your spirit can do and Lord I pray that nothing that is said or done will do anything except draw people to you. Lord, let your will be done this morning. Touch us. Touch us, family, that means so much to us. And I pray truth will be proclaimed and the lives and eternities will be changed because we're ready to hear from you in a way that we haven't been before. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to go ahead and start turning, we're going to spend significant time this morning uh, in John chapter 6. I want to just say, you know, our hearts are, are broken. I don't, I don't believe that there's a heart here this morning that's not broken. Um. Our hearts are, are lying to us this morning a little bit. If I'm being honest, you know, uh, our hearts, you know, people say, do what you feel is right in your heart and, and, and follow your heart. And, and I'm telling you that as well-meaning as it is, it's terrible advice because our hearts are lying to us this morning. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Our hearts are telling us, how do you go on? What can you do? Does God care? Does God still love you? Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but right now we feel left and forsaken. Our hearts are going to say, it's not worth it. The battle isn't worth it. And I'm telling you this morning that our hearts are lying to us because that is what they do. We can't trust our hearts. All we can trust this morning is Jesus Christ and Him alone. I don't even know what that looks like. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm, I feel like this morning I'm supposed to give you some answers and I'm supposed to give you a way forward and what's the next step and where do we go. I don't have those answers. And it's different for each and every one of you. Because each and every one of us are going to be affected and impacted differently. And not only is it different for each and every one of us, but I believe that it's going to be different for each one of us daily and momently and hourly. But I know this, that as hard as it is to imagine right now, we can trust the Lord. Me and Ian had the same reaction when we got the news. 
I don't know if, how well you know either one of us. We're a little bit um, highly emotionally charged would maybe be a good way to, to put it. Um, and I'll just, for sake of transparency, tell you that both of us, our response was anger. Questions. Lashing out at the only one we knew how to lash out at. God, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Not people we love. Not people we depend on. Not people who constantly serve. Not people who make our lives and our community, our schools, and our church better. God, you, you don't know what you've done to us. And that was my initial reaction. Those of you who know me probably aren't surprised. And God just continually brought me back to John chapter 6. I'm going to give you a little background and then we're going to dig into the last part of it. But in John chapter 6, there's a whole lot that happens. It starts with Jesus feeding the 5,000. He goes on to walk on the Sea of Galilee. He ends up across the sea and the people come looking for him. Uh, and then Jesus gives the, the followers, and it, many of your Bibles may say the disciples. I want you to understand that that was, there is not talking about the twelve. He had hundreds of followers who came looking for him, and he gave them difficult truth. That he was the bread of life. That he was the way to eternal salvation. Um, And it says that many of them were offended. And many of them walked away because the truth didn't make sense. And I'm telling you this morning, I, I hope to share with you hard truth. Because God has shared with me hard truth all week. And that hard truth is that He's still good. And that He still loves us. And that He has not forsaken us. He has not abandoned us. And yes, though in our hearts we disagree, He knows what's next. Let's pick it up in John chapter 6, verses 63 through 69 and then we'll go back and we'll we'll hit a couple others as we go but let's let's read this together john 6 63 says it is the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing the words that i speak unto you they are spirit and they are life but there are some of you that believe not For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of the disciples went back. Many of the hundreds of followers left and abandoned the teachings of Jesus. And they walked no more with him. Verse 67. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will you go away also? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and we are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want to start there in verse 63. That word quickeneth means to, be, to, to make alive. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit that lives. It is the Spirit that is alive. It is not this earth suit that we call our body that determines life and determines death. As Brother Clayton shared at the service, 1 John 5.12, He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. Listen, church, I love you, and I say this one million percent from a place of love. As I prepared, there were lots of things I said, I don't know if I can say that. But there's things that need to be said. And I'm going to say this, and I want you to know it is... A hundred percent because I love you and because I know that what Daniel and what Presley and what Kayla and what Landry would want proclaimed this morning is 100% truth, even uncomfortable truth. He who has the Son has life and who does not have the Son does not have life. And because of that, church, I believe with all my heart that, that Kayla... And Landry are more alive than they've ever been. And let me say it, I can dance around it all day, but it's not going to do any good. They're more alive than some of the folks in this room and some of the folks who are listening to this service be streamed because they have the Son, they have life. And because many of us, some of us, some of us listening, some of us in this room have never committed our lives to Jesus Christ. We do not have the Son. We have not entered life. We are not alive because it is the Spirit that quickens, not the flesh. So there are people who live 70, 80, 100 years here on this earth, but they have never lived because they never surrendered themselves to Jesus Christ. And praise God, I can say, with confidence that whether it be 10 years or 35, they lived and they live. But what about you, church? What about you? Have you ever followed Jesus? Or have you been a great church member because it's different? Have you prayed a prayer and walked an aisle? Or have you committed to serve Jesus regardless of your feelings and your circumstance? Because it's different. It's hard truth. but it's truth that deserves to be proclaimed. God still loves us. And He's still worthy of praise, regardless of what our heart says. I love when Jesus asked the twelve, what about you? Are you going to leave too? 
I wish I could say it was different, but I can't. There there was a time in my life when life got difficult. Questions were hard. I felt forsaken. I felt heartbroken. And I said, you know what? No, I'm not staying, Jesus. Not if that's who you are. Not if you let stuff like this happen. I'm out. And I'm ashamed of that. But at the same time, I think it gives me perspective on a day like today to share with you that there, as the disciples said, as Simon said, Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? I can tell you there is no, I, I listen, I can't, I, I'm not telling you because it's the right, I'm telling you because I've tried everything else. I've turned to the other things. Where would we turn besides Jesus this morning? We could turn to drugs. We could turn to alcohol. We could, we could turn to pleasure. We might turn to money. We might turn to our work to find some peace and some normalcy. None of it fulfills. As a matter of fact, all of it leaves us more empty than we started, if you can even imagine what that might be like. You say, well, I would never turn to those to those." evil things i would never turn to that maybe i'm going to just just strive to be a better person because that would be a good idea or maybe i'll read the latest uh uh, worldly how to get through grief book and maybe i can just seek out some some smart people in this world maybe i'll just turn to my friends i'll be a better friend and it will make me feel better listen church some of you will turn to church and i'm telling you The answer is Jesus. Christ and Him crucified and Christ alone. Because even the church, I love our church and I love it more today than I have in the however long we've been worshiping with you. But even the church will let you down. Jesus is the only one who won't. Some of you maybe came this morning hoping that Brett or Stuart or myself would say something that would give you some kind of peace and comfort. And I'll tell you from the get-go, that was my prayer. But I'm also telling you, if I'm honest, that's not my purpose this morning. It's not my purpose to just bring you some momentary peace and comfort. I can't bring you peace and comfort. Christ and the Holy Spirit as the comforter. But I think the only way that we can experience that is by seeking Christ. Seeking Jesus. I told you that this chapter started with Jesus feeding the 5,000 and then walking on the Sea of Galilee. And then the people came looking for Him. You know, He was on one side of the sea and then he saw, they, people saw the boat go off and And Jesus wasn't in it, but the next morning he was with the disciples on the other side and they said, Jesus, when did you get here? How did you get here? I don't, that don't make a lot of sense. And Jesus 
Didn't answer their question of how he got there. But I'll tell you what he did. He said something that I think still rings true this morning. He said, you have not, this is uh, in, in verses 26 and 27, you can check me out, okay? But he said, you didn't come looking for me because you think I'm God. And he worded it differently. He said, you didn't come because of the miracles proving I am God. But he said, you haven't come looking for me this morning because you want to serve me, because you want to worship me, you want to love me as your Savior. He said, you've come seeking me because I fed you. In church, again, in love, I say, and, and not in a negative way, not in a critical way, but some of us have come seeking a physical need. Our hearts are broken. Our lives are turned upside down, and we're hurting in ways that are unimaginable. And if I go to church, and if I, I worship, and I get with my church family, then I will feel better. And Jesus, I'm seeking you this morning because I need to feel better because I don't feel good. And as tempting as that is, church, I don't believe that what Jesus wants for us today is for us to feel better. What Jesus wants from us today is for us to seek Him as our Lord and our Savior and God, even when we don't understand, and even when we don't like it, and even when we're angry, our anger isn't going to allow us, and isn't going to cause us to sin. And we are going to lean into you like we've never leaned into you, not so we'll feel better for today, but because it's what we have to do. Because it's what Jesus deserves. Because it brings us peace, not for a day, not for a year, not for 50 years, but it gives us peace for life. And He sends the Comforter to indwell us so that we can have true hope. You see, because peace for today doesn't mean a lot without hope for tomorrow. I don't want to make you feel better for a day. I want to know that someday we will worship side by side. Not here in Danville, Arkansas, but on the streets of gold, side by side with two of the greatest worshipers that I've ever been around. Listen, I don't want to play on your emotion. I don't want you to make a decision out of emotion. I don't want to manipulate you into something that you're never going to follow through with. But here's what I know. God is still God. And God still saves people who don't deserve to be saved. You know how I know? Because He saved me. I also know that in the face of unthinkable tragedy, the only peace that can really come is from knowing that there is a purpose to your pain. Now don't, don't mishear me. I preached not long after my sister's, my sister's death. And I, I said, you know, my sister had prayed for years that my dad would come to know Jesus and he had no interest in the things of God. And I said, you know, if Shauna knew, if, Sha if God would have said, Shauna, if you lay down your life, your daddy will be saved. She would have said, yes, Lord. 
said he got saved because he realized for the first time in his life there was something he wasn't man enough to handle on his own. And I had someone contact me later, bless their hearts. I think that's very unfair for you to blame your dad for your sister's accident. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say that. I said there has to be a purpose to the pain. Not that God caused it so that one person would be saved. Not that God caused it for the benefit of someone else, but because that even in our pain, God is still working. Daniel shared with me at least one person already. I know of at least one more that I think was an attributing factor. And I'm not saying this morning that if you feel convicted and you feel drawn to Jesus, he, he says in John chapter 6, no one comes to the Father unless He's drawn, unless He's given. And I'm not saying that, that, that if you feel that way, oh man, does that mean this is my fault? Don't, don't, don't let Satan lie to you. Don't let your, lie, your, your heart lie to you this morning. It's a lot more complex. We won't understand, we won't know, but I do know this. That if we have to face what we have to face, then praise God, maybe something good can still come from it. And there is nothing that those two lovers of Jesus would want than for it to be a reminder to all of us, lost or saved, that we are called to live in a way that proclaims the goodness of God. Daniel preached just a few weeks ago about the son of David and Bathsheba. And David said, I can't bring him back, but I know that I am going where he is. And in John chapter 6, 28 and 29, the people asked Jesus, they said, well, Jesus, you know, what do we do? What's next? What you say that we need to follow you, or you, know, you say we're not seeking you for the right reasons, then what do we do? And he said, do the works of God. Boy, that's uncomfortable in a Southern Baptist church. <laughs> he said, do the works of God. And they said, well, what are the works of God? And he said, here it is. It ain't what you're thinking. It's not tithe, though you should. It's not do all these works and go on mission trips, though you should. He said the works of God are this. Verse 29, Jesus answered said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. What is the work of God that we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone? Now, that's not a trust or a belief. When he says believe, he's not saying believe that Jesus exists. It's not saying believe that he was a good man or a good teacher. It means that my life is wrapped up in him. What he says, I'll do. Where he takes me, I'll go. When I don't understand, 
I'll trust. And apart from salvation, apart from putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is no comfort because Jesus said when He ascended that that He would send the Comforter. had a chance to talk with a young man yesterday who said, man, Daniel, I didn't get to go to the funeral, but what Daniel said, how did he do it? How did he do that? And I said, there's only one way. (laughs) And Daniel's one of the strongest men I've ever met, physically and spiritually. He didn't do that because Daniel's strong. He did that because Daniel is anchored in the faith. And because the Comforter lives in him. And the Holy Spirit spoke through him. A chance to tell that to a young man who, I don't know his spiritual condition. But I had a chance to share about Jesus. Because our pastor doesn't just earn a paycheck up here. He lives what he believes. We already knew that, but if if you didn't know it, we've seen it. Now, just going to tell you, our job church is just beginning. Stuart brought up, it was just about a year ago, I had the privilege of preaching from Exodus about how Aaron and Hur held up the holy hands of Moses as they fought the battle. And I said, we're called to hold up our pastor's hands. And we're called church more now than ever. For him and Press, for Scott and Lisa, Chase and Tori, all the family. Our job. We say we love you. Our church is giving. We give good gifts on special occasions. Listen, none of that matters. This is where we show we love them. By standing with them. Going through the battle. And some of you will be a lot better equipped because you got saved. (laughs) Because you answered a call. You've played church long enough and you realize... There's something that I can't get through. I need Jesus. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to pray for you. Worship team's going to come back, and the altar's going to be open. And we'll be here. Maybe this morning you said, hey, I need to talk. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just I need someone to cry with. Listen, I'm a professional crier. I will cry with you. I will love you. Maybe you have questions that I can't answer, but we'll pray about it together. But you do what God lays on your heart because there has to be a purpose for the pain. And we have to lean in and trust God more than we trust our hearts right now. Because if I trusted my heart, I wouldn't be here this morning. But I'm here because I think God still deserves it no matter how I feel. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to speak truth. And Lord, I 
God, there's so much of it that, God, I feel hypocritical even saying it because I, <laughs> I'm not where I need to be or who I need to be. But Lord, I pray that I will lean into you. Lord, I pray for those who are not saved, God. Those who don't understand the comfort of the Holy Spirit because they've never been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you will draw them today, Lord, and that they will answer the call and that they will be saved. God, I thank you for the privilege of serving under a family that has done it the right way. And Lord, I pray they'll feel our love and our prayer and our support. Lord, I pray you'll do a work that only you can get credit for. And I pray, God, we have prayed for revival. And Lord, I'm not certainly not saying that that was why. But I am saying that, Lord, if we've ever needed you, we need you now. And I pray your spirit will do what only it can do. Draw men and women, boys and girls to you. God, I pray for Christians that we will be inspired to live in a way that draws attention to you, not to us. God, give us sensitivity to your spirit and give us boldness to answer the call. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.